Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 15 of Robot Radio. This is Greg Stanwood along with Andrew Martin. Um, it's been a bit of a disappointing week for everybody, I think, but uh, yeah, we'll try to keep ourselves away from that, uh, that, that trap right there, and we're just going to talk about a couple of the issues that have been going on with the team this past week. We'll talk about the offense a little bit, talk about... Uh, second base, but I want to lead off the the podcast here with a positive um, segment. We can talk about Jeff Francis. He's had two yes. starts since uh, since coming back. Uh, it, it, obviously, his first two starts in quite an extended period of time since September 2008. And despite uh, both of our concerns about his uh, – potential learning to fit back into the two major league baseball last week. Uh, I was at the game on last Sunday when Francis pitched and was completely impressed with him. And then we just got done watching the, the game today on Saturday and he was equally impressive, if not better. Um, your thoughts so far on what you've seen. Well, Francis has been very good. I can't think of much better to say than that. Um, the strikeout numbers are impressing me. The walk numbers and the lack thereof are impressing me. Um, the sheer number of the sheer ridiculous number of ground balls is incredibly impressing me. Um, I mean, if I could, I mean, I could just go negative and say, well, it's bound to regress, and it is bound to regress. But for right now, he's providing a much needed boost to our rotation. I mean, we have Ubaldo, who are, we've expected greatness out of him now, and. I, I fear the fallout if he ever, you know, gives up more than what, like two, three runs in a game. But right now, um, with, with everybody else, we're trying to find the good out of it. Like Aaron Cook's adding, not bad at all. But we lost the game against Chicago, and yay, Aaron Cook. You know, he did well. He pitched, you know, seven innings, and you get the idea. Not a lot of crappy pitching from him. Jason Hamill was kind of a hard luck loser last night in a way. Um, I mean, didn't have his absolute best stuff, but six strikeouts and just under seven innings, not bad. Um, not a lot of walk trouble either, but those two home runs. Are not... The point is, we could, we have to pull the good and the bad out of everybody's start so far, but Francis so far has been those two starts has been nothing but good. It's not like, well, he pitched well. Consider... No, he just pitched well. And all, all, five of, all five of our current starters being Jimenez, Francis, Cook, Hamill, and uh, Chassin have not been getting – torched by anybody uh we've they've been given up you know three four five runs in their bad outings as opposed to like six or seven uh which we had been seeing from some of them mostly hamill and cook early on well as francis's start today i'm looking at the, the three strikeouts two walks and only five hits i mean right now People are just going to say, well, it's batting average on balls in play. Sure, it is batting averages on balls in play. And if you ask me, what's Francis going to do the rest of the season? He'll regress. He's going to throw up a couple stinkers eventually here. But, I mean, right now, nobody's getting good contact on him. And, I mean, not only the fact that he's not getting torched, it's just that no one can string runs up against him. And he he I, I seems mean, to have all of his. He seems to have all of his his moves, all of his pitches working at least yeah. to some degree. He's got some velocity. He's throwing harder than he was in two thousand eight. Yeah, he's touching ninety pretty regularly here. And when two thousand eight was when he was hurt, we right, didn't really exactly. know at the time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean he looks like he is back to form right now. And good on him. I mean, this is a lot about Jeff Francis's work ethic. Maybe not necessarily the caliber of pitcher he is, but the caliber of a you know, an athlete that he is that he went down with for what could have been the end of his career right there and he just tossed two absolute gems and 
it's always encouraging to see that out of a guy that the fan base loves so much. So, you know, good work, Jeff Francis, making me proud. Now, Jason Hamill mentioned after the game he started yesterday that he aggravated his groin injury a little bit. We don't know yet if he if it's going to mean more disabled this time. He seemed to be optimistic that he's going to be good to pitch. We have an off day on Monday after the Kansas City series. I would not be opposed to skipping his turn in the rotation that week and seeing if he can uh, prove that he's 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 built up enough strength there to uh, continue to pitch without a, a disabled list uh, stint. Now, of course, if it did turn out that he wasn't okay, we could, I mean, unless we, like, pitched him out of the bullpen, we could, like, uh, retroactive... DLM to the to yesterday and he wouldn't mm-hmm. lose much time uh, and he could go down to rehab or something like that. Um, do you think that skipping his rotation slot would be a good move? Uh, it's well with something like a groin injury, it's so sticky to try to really you know not quantify it but really completely analyze it because it's one of those nagging types of injuries that there's not a clear timetable on things like that. So. I mean, I'm wondering if I re-aggravated my groin just means I'm terrible right now or what. But, you know, six and two-thirds, six strikeouts. The two home runs stunk, but I I just got to give those to Jose Guillen. I mean, a home run's a home run, sure, but it wasn't like he hung two, you know, 88-mile-per-hour meatballs. He um, he had balls down to the... One of those was, I mean, it struck me as being, you know, a very difficult ball to make contact with at all, let alone hit out of the park. If anything, Jose Guillen has a lot of power. He doesn't always express it, and I was talking to uh, one uh, to, to a friend yesterday during the game and saying it's like Jose Guillen just woke up this morning and said, eh, I should probably earn a little bit of that contract today, and he golfed those two. It wasn't just you know one that scraped the wall or a huge mistake by Hamill. Those pitches were down and good pitches, and he just destroyed them, and that made you know Royals fans probably a little bit happy there considering how much trouble Guillen is in general, but it seemed like Hamill was somewhat of a hard luck case yesterday. Like I said, pitched over six, almost had the quality start there, but he gave up that fourth run, but struck out six, or was it, would it end up being six? I he can't remember. More, when I, when I, I, I had a really busy Friday night, so I made sure to keep up on the score and have updates coming, and then I watched some highlights later, but I, uh, I definitely uh, missed the total number there. When I looked, it was six innings, six strikeouts, three earned, and I'm like, you, I will take that from Jason Hamill every day of the week and twice on Sunday, provided that those six strikeouts – <clears throat> excuse me, aren't complimented with, you know, nine walks. And they weren't. So it looks kind of like he's doing all right. It just, stuff ain't falling right for him. And, and I'm not just saying it's all luck, just something's clearly still a little bit wrong. I think we should have a new segment in the future on this podcast called What Will Andrew Take uh, Every Day of the Week and Twice on Sundays? <laughs> yeah, I do, I do say that a lot. I, <laughs> I, but it, I think it's, it's a good phrasing. I'm thinking oh, I'm, more Sunday double I'm, I'm not making fun of the phrasing at all. It's just a, I think that it can be your catchphrase. <laughs> yes. How does everyone feel about that? Andrew having an obnoxious catchphrase. It's better than uh, in the Baseball Today podcast when Peter Pascarelli was a regular on there because his catchphrase was, I don't like anybody. And, uh, yeah, he, he the grumpy naysayer, Peter Pascarelli. I, I like to think that I'm not a grumpy naysayer, but uh, I don't know. I, like, I think I hedge too much on this show. Greg, what do you think? Well, in in what sense do you mean? Oh, I'm afraid. Well, you'll note that I never say this guy sucks, get rid of him, or this guy rules. It's except or, except know. when it's Tim Redding. Oh, Tim. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you did say that about Tim Redding a few weeks ago. Okay, and hey, hey, it happened. 
hooray, it's like they're listening to me. Maybe they are. Dun dun. No. <laughs> um, Man, if somebody, if somebody that was even somehow more awesome than our current listening base was listening to us, it's hard to do. I know, but if they were, I don't know what I'd do with myself. It was funny enough when I got called out on uh, NBC Sports' uh, power rankings. For, uh, my <laughs> that was podcast, awesome. A couple of weeks ago, for for writing all flowers and and, and beautiful ballpark prose. Um, anyways, on topic though, yeah, I will take a good, I will take the start that we saw from Jason Hamill every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Well, there you have it. Um, (laughs) moving on, we, I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the chaos that has, uh, has ensued from the very complicated and, uh, you know, very difficult to understand arrangement of the way the bullpen is working right now. I mean, right now, for the most part, it's a pretty good problem to have because we've got several bullpen members that are being incredibly effective right now, uh, and I love I love watching it. It's been it's been uh, you know we ha- we've been having all these problems with us not being able to score late in the game. Well, I mean, we've been do- doing more than a decent job of keeping opponents from doing that as well. Um, but there's still some you know some constraints some some players that have the potential to move back and forth and of course it's compounded by the fact that three of the players that are injured right now uh, of I think there are six on the roster that are injured three of them are relief pitchers all of whom are out of options and will need to be returned to the team immediately now we have two players in the bullpen right now who can rather easily be uh be demoted specifically Greg Smith and Esmil Rogers. Problem there is both of them are basically our long relievers right now because the guys who were our previously our long relievers, basically Belial and Corpus, are now basically our ninth and our eighth and ninth inning battery or our eighth and ninth inning pitchers. Um Well Bamla didn't do bad. I mean it was good to see that extra inning come out of Francis because I mean he was a what, like sixty pitches in the in the sixth inning or something like that. Just just ace work there. But uh, Bimel came in to get to face, um, well, whoever it was, his left-hander, came in, got him to pop up uh, to Olivo, and then Bimel came I in think, and had I think Bimel – again. Yeah, maybe. Or, or I thought maybe it was Kayaspo, and he did it to turn him around. I can't remember. Well, the point is, is that – the ne- I mean, I remember the next batter, after like a zillion pitch at bat from Ineski Betancourt, uh, Randy Flores got the fly out to right, and that's uh, – that was pre- that the Royals had runners at the corners, and good work by those two guys there to get it done. Wait, Flores was in the game? Not Flores. I always say Flores. I mean Bimel? Belial. Not- oh, Belial. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But Bimel got the pop-up. Belial got the fly-out after the zillion pitch at bat. Right, yes. Bimel and Belial. Say that ten times fast. Yeah, I was actually looking at that today. People had They were pitching right next to each other, and somebody in the game thread said, Bimel, Belial in the pen, and I was like, oh, God. Um, <laughs> but no, in terms, again, as I was saying about Belial and Corpus – they are the bottom element of our of our of our bullpen right now because obviously Street and Morales are both hurt, and with uh, Betancourt still finding his feet a little bit after getting sick again, um, I, I almost said Bimel. Belial is uh, is in that eighth inning spot right now, pretty much, or he has been unofficially for a couple days now. So maybe when we have a little bit more. Of a, of a solid idea about who goes back into that kind of bottom area, 7th, 8th, ninth area of the pen, we can move one of those guys back to long relief because I don't want to keep 
uh, really either of Rodgers or Smith up here in favor There's of anybody no else. Well, I would honestly the, send Rodgers down first. The reason, the the potential reason though, would be that we need a long reliever. I mean, if we option them both down, let's say we have. I mean, Matt Daly will be eligible to return by the time this podcast airs. He probably will be back up, although. They've said they were going to do, make roster moves after the game the past couple of days, and they basically just decided not to. Uh, so, at the very least, they're going to get rid of one of those guys, probably Rogers, because he can immediately slide back into the rotation in in the Triple uh, A, and well, obviously Smith can too. But uh, Smith can serve as a long reliever right now. <clears throat> But, you know, what happens when, say, Franklin Morales is healthy or Houston Street's healthy? Uh, we can get rid of Daly again. That's one. And then when the second one becomes healthy, then we get rid of Smith. And the the concern, and this is a devil's advocate concern, not really a concern of mine, is who pitches in the games where we need, you know, seven, six, seven innings of bullpen uh, relief covered. Uh, just just based on that, I think you have to almost have to keep Smith or um, or Esmeal Rogers, <clears throat> and really it kind of depends on what we want, what we're expecting out of them. Well, it's, uh, here's, where, <clears throat> he, here's where it gets tricky, though. We have again, we have three players coming back, uh, and you know, there's just not enough room in terms of the amount of people who are there. Look, w- Randy Flores. Matt Belial, Joe Bimel, all these guys are being paid less than a million dollars. We could probably cut Flores and not have you know a huge deal, but then we're still left with two other spots that need to be filled up, and you know one of them is the Daily Rogers spot that we're talking about, and the other I, one I would go ahead. I don't even see Daily and Rogers as being the same spot, though. I mean, I guess they've been kind of using him there, but. Well, they're, they aren't the same role. The spot I'm talking about is the roster spot. You know, I'm, enough, I'm assuming that as soon as Daly is eligible to come back, you know, they're going to they're gonna demote Rodgers already. And then he's taken care of for now, and then they leave Smith in long relief. And then we still have three other players coming back, and Daly and Smith and are the only two with options other than Corpus, who's not going anywhere. You can see why this is so complicated. Well, yeah, we're uh, the the e- <clears throat> excuse me the easiest option. I mean, I guess my 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 decision would be when I bring them back. I um, in no particular order. I when I bring Street back, I demote Rogers. When I bring Buckholds back, I demote Daly again. Well, which kind of d- sucks. Daly but... wouldn't be back up in your situation though. Daly's already down, so right, you'd right, have right, to replace somebody Rogers else. Well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So when I bring Houston Street back, you demote Daly. Flores. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I cut Randy Flores because I mean, I don't know. Flores has only performed well in totally worthless situations as far as leverage goes. And of and, of all uh, the cheap the cheap relievers we have, being the other Bimel and Belial, he's he's the the easiest to cut in terms of both ceiling and in terms of. Uh, money he's he's the cheapest reliever that's not well, uh getting them the, the, the so, ma- major league minimum it's so tricky to evaluate bullpen pitchers though especially if you're a, if you're a statistics guy like i am because there's so many different things you could look at if i look at just the regular pitching stuff that i like to evaluate pitchers with um i'll look at their strikeouts per nine their walks per nine their homers per nine 
and then I'll look at their batting average on balls and play. You get the idea. I'll look to see what's sustainable, what's unsustainable, what's on pace for them. And Randy Flores is just not striking anyone out. He has a he has a decently above average strikeout rate for his career, and he's striking out like four and a half per nine and walking Which three is, and a half. Yeah, I, I looked up those stats a few weeks back, and he uh, definitely that's not up to his career rate. Definitely. But that said. That said, he's only allowing like an opponent. He's allowing a sub 700 OPS across the board. If you switch it up to leverage, looking at leverage splits, he's awful in high leverage. He's awful in medium leverage and low leverage. He's pretty studly. So, I mean, I don't know. Are we looking at once again? Are we looking at Randy Flores in the wrong light? I mean, if we're if we're coming from the Rocky standpoint. Is he another one of Jim Tracy's look at my chest moves here kind of players where oh, I'm going to bring in a lefty and then I'll have this guy pitch two outs and then bring in another lefty and then move my closer? Or are we looking at him as a one-inning pitcher? I mean, he ha- he has a history of pitching a decent inning load. Um, granted, he's been in the majors for a long time, but uh, I, 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 I still you know, don't feel comfortable with a- him as, as, as a one-inning pitcher, even though he, he's <laughs> had a couple times this year where he's come in and, and pitched th- successfully through a full inning. I well, just haven't. Go ahead. He's only cracked 50 innings in his career once, and that was in 2007 with the Cardinals. And he uh, posted, he went 3 0 with a 4.25 ERA in 70 games, which tells you they brought him in a lot to face lefties. Because if your inning pitch load is that much lower than your actual number of games, you're being used kind of in a mix of an inning role and a specialist role. Right. See, with, with him now, I mean. Yeah, he's getting lefties out better, but I wouldn't say it's any better than any other lefty would get out lefties as opposed to righties. It's not, you know, oh my gosh, this guy has nails against lefties. He's not. So, well, and it brings up tricky things. Do we want to leave Smith in the in the bullpen as a long man and then perhaps a potential spot starter in the event that rest and injury or inability to pitch line up and he can make a spot start? Or does do we leave him in the pen? Whatever. If, if it was my choice, I'd put him in that that swing role there. It's just it's <laughs> and, just so um, so so difficult for me in, in in my look at the uh, at the roster and its status to keep him there. Just because you know, I, I think what I said was, uh, the, I mean, look, every way I want to go in terms of filling out the bullpen. Some other th- problem goes wrong. I can get rid of both Rogers and Smith, which I want to, but then we have no long reliever. Uh, I can get rid of only Rogers and not Smith, but I Rogers is more of more likely to be a bullpen convert anyway. I think so. Uh, that that could throw that off or etc. The reason I say keep Smith up isn't so much because oh my gosh, that Smith is great. My the question is more who exactly do we replace him with? There's not just this magical pitcher waiting to take his spot yet. Right. I mean, maybe Houston Street will be that magic, but I figure, like I said, Street comes back and he'll take the uh, Daly slash Roger spot. Buckholtz come back, but we can cut Randy Flores. We don't need to stack 94 lefties in the bullpen. I'm sorry. And then when Morales comes back, we find a trade partner. Yeah, I was actually about to bring that up as well. I was going to suggest that we should be looking at uh, possible – Trades for for Franklin Morales exactly. And, uh, I'm uh, sorry, have I been saying this for two years now, or is it just me? And everyone says, "Oh, like, it's too early to give up on him." It's not the issue that we're giving up on him because if we get to the point where we've given up on him, every club knows we've given up on him, and there's absolutely no possibility of getting any value out of him. Look at Matt Belisle's situation. He was in Cincinnati for a couple years there as a starting candidate. He was never a super ace candidate, but he would, I mean, peaked out as a starter. He'd be a pretty decent number three starter. You, I mean, 
you basically see what we have with Matt Belial, and then when he couldn't shake it, we converted him to the bullpen, and he had he had an okay year last year. I mean, not miserable, but apparently good enough to keep him on, and boy, are we glad we kept him on. I thought it was a bit surprising, but we kept him on, and he's been shown he's shown that he has really uh, learned from his up and down to the minors and being converted to a bullpen pitcher that he can come out and get the job done, and he's doing the job very well. He's striking more guys out than ever. And you know all sorts of good things about Matt Belisle. And actually, to be honest, I was going to write my Wednesday article last week about Matt Belisle, but it, it would have come exactly like two days after he gave up that two-run homer to Aramis Ramirez, and I didn't want the bad you know juju over that to yeah, but rain over the article. I think pretty much all of us, even me, and I am not a Matt Belisle fan, but based not on his performance, but just because I'm still bitter about that that roster problem from last year but that we've discussed that so many times already I won't go into it but I think everybody acknowledged that you know he'd already pitched two good innings we didn't really pin that loss on Belial oh yeah well the, the fact and plus Andrew um, Fisher had gone ahead in his rock pile and shown that little up and down maybe it was Jeff who posted that there point is that we, we talked about Belial on the rock pile there and I didn't want to sit there and you know beat a topic that we'd already talked about a decent amount so i might be speaking about him in the next couple weeks but uh no point is is that back to franklin morales and the problem here the reason we got belial so cheap is because the reds had given up on him and there was clearly i mean with cueto with volquez bailey bronson arroyo and um uh what's his name aaron harang um they just didn't have a spot for him well he he was, he he was non-tendered they, they didn't just give exactly. up on him they they let him go they they well, super gave up on him, you know. Exactly. So they, I was yeah. about to say, how else do you define giving up on someone than non-tendering them? Right. So, <clears throat> because we non, he was a non-tender pickup for us, and um, and I'm glad that he hung on. But if we get to that point with Morales, I mean, everyone talks about like, oh, he's still got all this potential and all this great stuff, and we should really ride it. No, I want to win. I didn't. This is 2000, I didn't. I'm not, I'm not, go ahead. I didn't want to trade him last year, but going into this the position this uh, this year, I have uh, had that that opinion for at least a, at least about a month now. I think I I brought it up with you, and when we both discussed it in some comment section somewhere. Well, the fact is, buy low, sell high, and Morales is losing value every single day he goes in there and gives up big hits. Is he a head case? Absolutely, is a head case. Is there hope for him yet? Yeah. Does he still have disgusting stuff? Yeah. Does he still have control problems? Yeah. The problem is, is that every, I mean, by converting him to a closer this season, we pretty much said, eh, he's not making the rotation. And so now other teams who might still look at him as a rotation candidate might say, huh, we could still use him as a rotation candidate. Right. But there's no way the Rockies have any ground to say, oh, he's still a potential rotation candidate. We demand rotation candidate, you know, return for him. Because it's obvious that we're not going to use him in the rotation, especially with the return of Jeff Francis. The Certainly not. Scene. I don't think it was ever a possibility. I think they stretched him out in spring training only, not because he was actually in contention for a spot, but only if we had some sort of major meltdown with all of our starting pitching and we needed like yeah. somebody else other than Greg Smith. I mean, Smith would not have been the first choice if he hadn't had such a fantastic spring there. Um, I mean, and good good for Smith, he got what he could out of there, and you're right that we were, Morales was being stretched out as an absolute contingency plan. I mean, nobody cares about the ninth inning or the leverage of a game in spring training. It's go out there and throw some strikes and let's see how bendy your curveball is. I suppose... Franklin Morales... Go ahead. <clears throat> trade him. I mean, honestly, I'm not saying we need a rotation candidate right now, but what do we need? We need... We have, we have 
we have plenty of outfield still. I mean, we could talk about Fowler still, but I'd rather not because we could. That's just gonna waste time and kind of beat a dead horse. But um, <clears throat> unless you really, really want to. But the point no, is, we, we have areas of need at. We could use a better utility guy, and by that I don't mean so much kill Melvin Moore because he's not been great or even good, but uh, he's been passable considering his role on the team, and he's been about average in the infield. And if we think about, I mean, I still think we should be thinking about him as a third base backup rather than a second base backup. Yeah, but no, again, sure. dead horse, dead horse. Um, we could use a better utility guy, and we could use a better second baseman. So who has those guys? And is in a rebuild mode. Huh. There's one team that comes to mind very specifically. And it's funny because we've mentioned this team in past trade talks. I mean, you know, on the website, not so much real trade talks, but the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm not so much. The, the Blue Jays could probably use some sort of anything. And they have Aaron Hill. I would love to have Aaron Hill play for this baseball team at second base. Only problem is that they're, <laughs> they're off to a good start this year and they're not in sell mode yet. They might even go not, into buy mode. They, if they go into buy mode, they're ridiculous. Because I mean, look at look at what Tampa's doing right now. And the, I'm sorry, the Yankees are doing very well, even though they're playing second. Boston's going to bounce back. I mean, everybody's crying about how John Lackey's been terrible, and he has. These things happen, but everyone's like, "Oh, look at you, Theo Epstein, and signing Adrian Beltre, and blah blah blah." How could you not bring back Jason Bay and sign every slugger ever? It's not his fault that you know they lost Ellsbury and Mike Cameron to the disabled list. It's not. There's nothing they can do about that. So, I mean, for once, I, mean, I can't believe I'm defending the Boston Red Sox, but, I mean, when, when a plan is supposed to work and doesn't – it's like the Mariners, too. They didn't pick up the guys they picked up for them to be terrible. They picked them up so they could be good and play it to their career levels. And when they haven't, you can't pin that on the GM. So what I'm trying to say is that Toronto, if they are smart, will try to get more return from their guys – because on the only – I guess it's going to piss off the fan base a bit, but anyone who doesn't think that Toronto's starting to rebuild here is crazy. I mean, they've lost Halliday, They've lost Burnett. They've lost Scudero. They – I mean, they're still clinging with Aaron Hell. Um, Lyle Overbay is doing all right right now. Um, Adam Lynn's doing pretty well. But Vernon Wells is having this weird career resurgence, but they're stuck with him one way or another. The only th- I can't imagine anybody picking up Vernon Wells this year for anything no. because of his massive contract. But I mean, then they let they, they put Alexis uh, Alexi Rios on uh, on waivers. This, if this team isn't blatantly in a rebuild right now, I don't know what people need to see that it's a rebuild. They're doing that, well right now, sure, but and I'm I not mean, saying I'm not saying I expect them to necessarily not go into into any sort of buy mode immediately. But I mean, it's quite clear that that's not going to be. Well, whether they're in a rebuild mode or not, right now with what they're doing, there's absolutely no reason for them to trade Aaron Hill right now. I mean, well, it's a trade right now, deadline maybe, but not right now or not when Franklin well, Morales comes back. Well, sure. Okay, so very fair there. We don't need to, The deal doesn't need to be done right now. Um, but do you really th- – you even said maybe the deadline. I'm not saying do the trade right now. I'm saying if the deadline comes around and Toronto's like – all right, fine, we're selling, then see what they're interested in. Sure. They really demand – I mean, granted, another thing too, Aaron Hill is kind of terrible right now. He's batting <laughs> 164, and he's been hurt and stuff like that. But, I mean, over his career, he's been, you know, about an average bat, and he's a very good glove man at second base. I, You know, it's kind of undeniable. He's had uh, – 2009 was a bit of a blip for him as far as defense goes, but over the course of his career, he's been a uh, – He's been about you know a, po- a very positive uh, second baseman, and I like Aaron Hill, but 
my point is let's the, I guess the point is let's look at teams that are absolutely terrible and see if their players are available. I mean, okay, let's stay in the AL East then. Maybe not Aaron Hill, but the Baltimore Orioles are starved for good pitching. I mean, they have Brian the Roberts. Who just came up. And they got, yeah, it's pretty much what I was thinking. Is Brian yeah. Roberts? And if, I mean, I'm not. People are going to say, well, Brian Roberts is getting older, and on. I'm not saying we build around Brian Roberts, but Hector Gomez is nowhere near ready. Nope. I still think we should give Eric Young a better shot, but who knows how long he's going to be out with that broken leg. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not. We just don't have a good second base option right now, and I'm going to touch on this soon here about how basically I'm less than impressed with Clint Barmas, and I'm not let's, for a second saying he's not trying. Let's but... talk, let's go ahead and talk about that now, since since no oh, fair enough. Since we're on it, I mean, so it, it, go ahead and spew on whatever thoughts you have on uh, well, on him. Well, I, again, I mean, I had that interview with him over the off season, so I got kind of a soft spot for him because, woo, I'm talking to a major league baseball player, but uh, he he's clearly a hard worker. He's one of the hardest workers on the team, but the problem is, is that hard work only takes you so far. I would love to say that Clint Barmas' pure lack, or not lack of effort, but pure effort will suddenly vault us to contention. I'm but saying it, no. that I don't. <laughs> if, if he was stinking and being and not trying, then yeah, get rid of the bum. And that's why I'm thinking he will still remain on the team in some capacity because he's still, even though he, the, the, the statistical metrics say that his glove has been pretty not Clint Barmacy this year. I mean, it's gonna, everybody has down years. It just stinks for him because kind of everything's happening all at once when it comes to being a down year. Right, and also we have basically the entire team at one point or another has shown a, a decrease in defensive, and it's gotten better. We don't look nearly as sloppy as we did a month ago, but the entire oh, yeah. team, it's not just Barmas. They've, they've looked over the course of the season. I don't mean you can point to, you know, yesterday's or today's game and say, oh, that's yeah. bad defense, but just over the course of the season, everybody's looked bad at some point. Right now, Barmas is batting two... I mean, before today's game, we're not talking about today at all. He's batting 210 with a... Um, let's see, where's his OPS? 619 OPS, a 269 weighted on base average, and then when you balance that all out for level of competition and park effects and stuff, that's a 55 WRC+, plus, which means that he is batting at 55% of an average level. Right, Of yeah. an average level, not an Albert Pujols level, like an average level. He is, I mean, that's worse than AAA. It's moments like these I wish we still had Mike McCoy, and not just because I'm a ridiculous fanboy, but because, you know, scrappy, blah, 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 plays a bunch of positions. He, well, he would have basically been if, you, you, you were interested in trading with Toronto. <laughs> there you go, throw yeah, him in. Yeah, <laughs> Get Mike McCoy back right now. <laughs> I mean, God bless him. I think he's going to somehow bring something around. But you look at his numbers, his ISO has gone down. His batting average is way low. His on-base percentage is just god-awful. And these, and, uh, these are lower than than low because he's usually low in these areas. Yeah, yeah a 266 on-base percentage. I mean, he's a career 297 on-base percentage, which, which is, is so bad. Yeah, but it's not apocalyptic. It's not apocalyptic. I mean, it's very bad. But if you, if you can if you can complement that with a strong slugging, which he does, <clears throat> um, I, I won't complain too much about it. Right. That the fact is that he's just not getting anything done, and I give I got to give some credit to Tracy for trying to let him work this out. Like he, and, and, and saying, hey, at least at least you got a glove, and you know how to play with Tulowitzki well, and really we'll just stick you in the you know the eight or nine hole and. Just pray for the best possible result. And of course, it doesn't help that our backup second baseman is Melvin Mora. Yeah, no, exactly, and that, that's that's a problem too. 
it, there's just kind of no good to be had right now with our second base situation, which is why we've been in the middle of, of talks this week. Right. I mean, going down the organization, we have Barmas, who's, who's, who we've already discussed, followed by Mora on the depth chart, followed, I guess, unofficially by what? Stewart on the depth chart? That's not going to be any better defensively, and I mean, we're going to get the same offensive performance anyway. Then you go down into AAA and you have Chris Nelson, who... Started the season off injured, he's back, but, I mean, he's not really showing that, I mean, he's not really fighting for a case to, oh, I'm obviously the answer right now. Uh, you know, Eric Young Jr. would be in the mix, but he's hurt for at least three or four more weeks. And then you go down to double A and you have Hector Gomez, who you already touched on, who is basically hurt 66% of his, his career. And then, you know, going back down any lower than that would be ridiculous. We don't need to promote, like, we don't have to promote, like, what, Michael Gonzalez or James Cesario or somebody like that (laughs) right now. Organization filler is not the answer right now. Clint Barmas pretty much is organizational filler right now. And I don't mean to completely hate on the guy because, you know, I got, like I said, I got a soft spot for him. But he's just not doing it. And we have a black hole in the lineup. And everybody else, they have their ups and downs. Yes, Gonzalez, Fowler, and Stewart are all simultaneously slumping. And uh, I think Stewart just needs a day or two off, frankly, just to sit and sit and watch. Look, look what you've done. Sit and watch. But uh, past that, I mean, they're, they're going to call either rebound or they're doing better. Like Tulewitzi's starting to show signs of life. But there's just nothing coming from second base other than some nifty defensive plays, which are very important as well. Don't. Don't get me wrong there. Uh, Nelson right now is batting 244, the 360 on base percentage, and a 390 slugging, good for a 750 OPS, and four errors, and I have no inclination to call him up mm-hmm. whatsoever. Eric Young's hurt. Omar Quintanilla is has... hurt. Yep, he's hurt. Yep. Uh, let's see. Jonathan Herrera is a utility player. And he might get the call next, but he's. I mean, a 364 on base percentage ain't bad, and he's almost batting 300. But. He, no, he's doing good. He's doing well, and I wouldn't mind calling him up to replace Melvin Mora if we were to get rid of Melvin Mora. But we need a starting answer as well. And and that's none of these guys are going to get a job done. I mean, I wish Cole Garner could play second base. He's <laughs> he's posting a 972 OPS right now, and I love Cole Garner. Yeah, I, right, I I ranked Garner higher than most people on my uh, on my perps list. I think. I, ever since last season when I heard that he was um, not going to be Rule 5 protected, I started to pay attention to him. And in the spring training, he had this guy, I'd kind of forgotten about him again. Everyone's like, hey, 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 Cole Garner's awesome. And I'm like, Cole Garner's awesome! Yeah, and uh, you can bet he'll be Rule 5 protected now. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you, you betcha. If, he's, um, if, but, he, if he does not get a September call-up, he will be on the roster by mid-December when the uh, roster reserves list need to be filed. Yeah, the, the, the problem with this is, is that I'm looking down the line at the AAA numbers here, and there's a handful of guys who are doing well. Um, I noticed one of them, and I'm not going to bother talking about that now because there's just too much to discuss, but Cole Garner's doing well. We don't need outfield. Brad Eldridge's doing well. We have, like, six first basemen. Mike McHenry's doing well. Um, well, we kind of... We already have Chris Iannetta ahead of him on the depth chart. Exactly. So, yeah. um, Matt Miller's doing okay. He's never going to get the call. <laughs> <laughs> he, no, he, he could hit 500 for a season, and he would never get promoted. <laughs> we would honestly need to have drastic injuries to the outfield for Matt Miller to call yeah. up. But frankly, yeah, the point, and then, then next on the list is like Jay Payton. And if we're seriously thinking about calling Jay Payton up, we're in. We might as well just be selling the team. You know? they, they, they'd call up Miller over Payton for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Payton's third on the depth chart. The point is, it's just figures. Double our AAA organization. 
it's it's basically the same. It's basically the same as our current organization. All the same strengths, all the same weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. Too, I mean, except much, I know, I much, have... much worse pitching right now because all of them are hurt or with the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, exactly. I would. Uh, I'd be interested to see what Brad Elder could do. But the problem is, I mean, he'd be just Jason Giambi 2.0. Well, if we but, got rid of Giambi, then we'd, we'd bring up Eldred, but that's not going to happen right now. So. The, the difference with that there, though, is that Brad Eldred's at least right-handed. Uh-huh, we, ta- which so, we, we, pro- don't, we don't have any any at all. Uh, we, we, yeah, we don't. We don't have any right-handed corner men, unless you include Mora, who's kind of well, considered by everybody to be everywhere player. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, we should definitely have Brad... Uh, it, it's it's far fetched to think about because Giambi's not going anywhere. Veteran respect and all that, but no oh man, veteran respect. That's just been driving me nuts this season. Hearing about veteran respect, like Ken Griffey with the Mariners, everybody loves Ken Griffey. Except That's he okay. falls asleep during the games. <laughs> I don't even know. If, well, despite the fact that that may or may not actually yeah. be the truth, it, it, um, it was it, it was just meant to be a joke on my part. Oh, yeah, I, I'm not making an accusation. Yeah, you're right though. I mean, even if it's ju- even if it is just hearsay and happenstance, or it was just a, it was a poorly interpreted joke or something like that. Like, oh, Ken Griffey's on the can. He might be asleep on it too. Oh, I'm writing that in my news article today. Ken Griffey asleep. Um, if that's even if that's not the case, if Griffey fell asleep or didn't fall asleep, he's still batting fifth in that lineup, and he has no business batting. He has no business fielding. He should stay in the clubhouse and make jokes all the time. That's about all he's good for anymore. And and I hate to say this about one of the favorite players in the game, but he's just he's not talking about retirement, and he's got to hang him up. He is hurting the team. And I'm not saying Helton is hurting the team, because that's obviously where I'm going with this, but we need to... St- He's been looking a little bit better lately. That home run off of Silva kind of gave, gave him a little bit of breathing room here. But and he had a he had, he's had a decent couple games too. Although he's been striking out more right. than usual. Yeah, wait, he struck out like what twice today? Unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that a lot of guys striking out twice isn't that big of a deal because they're used to striking out. But come on, it's Todd freaking Helton. We I, I don't know. It just, it just kind of disturbs me a bit that we have to keep him in the three hole because he's Todd Helton. Well, and granted, no, it, nobody's. It was nobody's that way at first. So, nobody's pushing. I mean, he got the five-hole demotion, but that's almost hurting the team more than having him in the three-hole. I'm, I'm talking a seven-hole demotion right here. And then and, you, and, you fill out the middle with what? Hop, Tulo, yeah, Levo, and Hop. Smith? Gonzalez? I'm, I'm okay. Just figure it out, but we don't have to have the lineup sheet with Todd Helton's name coming pre-printed in the three-hole. I mean, if you've got a guy like Ryan Zimmerman, who's still who's very young and clearly the face of the team, and all the other good things like that, who's you know, yeah, you know, pre-printed with a three, him in the three hole, but you know, God knows, I love Todd Helton, and will fight tooth and nail to make sure that he is, you know, Hall of Fame favorite, best player in Rockies history, all that stuff there. But right now, we need production, and him having him that high in the order is not really helping us. All right, so he, he's. Oh. I, I was just going to kind of repeat what I was saying, so go right ahead. Well, I was just going to say that before we get too off off time, we're already at forty minutes. Uh, we should go. We should talk about the uh, the schedule for next week. Okay, four hundred nine on percentage and a three fifty two slugging for Helton. That's just sad. The four the four hundred nine on base percentage is sick, but the three fifty two slugging is like even more nauseating. Mm-hmm. Especially by Helton standards. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not expecting him to crank home runs. He's got all of one this year. And if he cracks double digits at this point, I'll be amazed. But, I mean, heck, he's only hit he's hit six doubles. That hit 38 last year. 
Does that include today's double? Okay, so seven. I don't think Fangraphs updates till tomorrow morning. Okay. Um. So yeah. Okay. So it's still seven, and we're what? Um. We're, we're not, almost we're like, a quarter of the way in. Aren't we? Aren't we right around a quarter of the way in? Uh, Forty games. Well, uh, that, so yeah, we, we're basically right around a quarter. Unless he has a late season resurgence, which I'm just not seeing because he's not the spring chicken he once was. He um that puts him on pace for less than thirty doubles on the season, and that's the only thing he has going for him anymore is doubles. And a two eighty batting average. I don't know. I, I don't know if something's still wrong with his mechanics or if he's just having that veteran falling off a cliff. But I mean, we got we got to do something with him that better. Stri- I, mean, I wish he was fast. We'd put him lead off. I would play his line lead off every day of the week and twice on Sunday. There's another thing I like. I would take Todd Helton's on base percentage in the one hole and Jason Hamill's you know okay starts. Those are things that I would take every day of the week and twice on Sunday. From now on, we'll start keeping a list of all these things and then we'll invent some sort of bingo game to go along with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm not paying for prizes, man. So, we have um, an off day on Monday. We talked about that when we were talking about Jason Hamill. Maybe maybe we'll skip his start. Maybe we'll skip Shasin's. Maybe we won't skip anybody. But uh, after that, we come back home, thankfully. Uh, we, we move away from playing road series against the likes of Chicago, Houston, and Kansas City. And we get to play some NL West opponents. We get to play Arizona, who we still haven't seen in Arizona yet. This will be our second series against them at Coors. And then we pl- we have the LA Dodgers at Coors for the first time this year. Um, thoughts on those series? Obviously, we have Arizona slightly below us right now, and we have the Dodgers who are just on fire right now, even without Andre Ethier. Um, we have to win. Well, like we're getting to do or die time. Was we are we are two games ahead of Arizona in the standings. We're only three mm-hmm. and a half back of the division. It's looking to be another National League, you know, but uh, the Dodgers are up to 24 and 18 now. They're playing like the, they're playing like the team that they are, Yep. not the team that came out looking flat right now, and they are doing very well for themselves. Their last 10, the Dodgers are 9 and 1. Our last 10, 5 and 5. Which is basically what it's been all season: six and four, four and six, and five and five. <laughs> and I'm really, and honestly, being the late team that we, I, well, here's what scares me a little bit: is are we looking forward to a, a magic? Not not necessarily Rocktober 2007 magic, where we, you know, won a zillion games in a row, and or, just or, like, or or are we expecting even the magic of last year? Can we? Yeah. Can we? Do we expect every time for us to waste a month and a half or two months? You know, trying to find our feet before we make our move. Basically, I felt like we bo- we bottomed out so much last year that the players knew they had nowhere to go but up. So they figured, what the crap? Let's go have some fun. But because we're treading water so much, I'm not saying literally we're getting tired. But if you think about it, you tread water so much, you kind of run out of energy after a while there, and you just kind of end up middling. And that's about all you have strength to do is keep treading water. That's certainly one way to look at it. We we hit, the the good news is that assuming that your thesis there would not be the case, we are closer to contention than we were in either 07 or 09. So we, oh, haven't, yeah. we haven't fallen off the map quite as much. And so, you know, assuming we don't do this the entire season and we, we start playing to the peak level of the talent that we expect, then we, we are not going to have as much of a challenge trying to catch up as we have before, but it's still going to be harder than we want it to be. We need to beat the crap out of Arizona this weekend. We need to go let our home run hitting skills suddenly come to life because we haven't been hitting a lot of home runs lately. It's, a, um, it's actually the Dodgers on the weekend. We have Arizona in the middle right. of the week. 
my mistake. I I just meant to say coming up on Arizona. I mean, we we need we need to hit them and hit them hard because they, they, both teams have been you know the Diamondbacks are playing five and five ball, but they're on a three game winning streak. The Dodgers are playing uh, you know have been playing nine and one ball. They're on a two game winning streak. They actually apparently lost one. That was the game to Arizona, wasn't it? Or is that a different team? Anyways, not the point. We had div- opportunities in the division to make up ground, and we have to take it right now. I don't know what that's going to take, and I'm st- I mean, I'm of the opinion, and I can't back this up, and we were talking about making a study out of it, but let your starters play. I mean, which is kind of backwards considering I was saying give Stewart a day or two off because he's having trouble right now and stuff like that, but I mean, I don't know. There's just kind of no winning right now. When you're in the middle of a mediocre funk like this, that just nothing seems to be going right, but it's not so catastrophically wrong that someone's getting fired or the organization's having its hand forced, it's tough to really think of a good suggestion on what to do to get make things better. So I will honestly like give Tracy a little bit, Jim Tracy, and I'm not a fan of him. I will make that abundantly clear if it's not obvious, but I will give him a bit of a pass because he's in a tough spot right now. People aren't hitting well, and the team is just kind of you know, either wasting good pitching or not supporting mediocre pitching or whatever, and we're just kind of all praying for Ubaldo starts to come up so we can maybe win a game. We, well, he's got a tough spot right now, so good luck, man. We are at 45 minutes, so I think we're going to wrap that up right now. On behalf of myself and Andrew, we'll see you next week. Take care.